Hey, mom and dad, we're going to be talking about some things on this episode that may be a little more mature. And so if you've got young ones listening to this one, might want to hold off before listening to this with them. You might want to listen to it first, uh, but we'll hope you'll enjoy this podcast here at Lightbox. So why does God care about our sexuality? Today on Life Talks, we're going to be talking about this issue, and and we're in a series on the toughest questions that Christians have to answer. And and Dan, I'm Ben. You're Dan. We're two of the teaching pastors here at Life Charlotte, and uh, or at least at Life Life Fellowship here in Charlotte. Uh, Life Charlotte is our website. <laughs> but um, you know, young people today, the question I get, I hear a lot from young people, especially young millennials, older you know Zoomers. They get they have this question of. You know, they understand that the Bible teaches sexual ethics and that there's a standard for right and wrong, um, sexuality, those kinds of things. And then, but the question isn't about whether or not it's right or wrong. The question is, why does God care? And that's the question that I, a lot of young pe- younger people are asking. Yeah, we're not going to try to change the Bible because, you know, that's always been a, uh, a, de- a desire from the other side. But they just feel like, hey, what does it matter? What's the big deal if two people, no matter what their gender, what their sexuality, who cares if they want to love each other? Mm-hmm. And that's a question, I think, from a, from outside the church, a lot of people are asking people within the church. And so, Dan, that's the question today. And I know you've done a lot of research. So where do we go from yeah, here? Well, in terms of the answer to that question, there's not, I mean, it's not a research-driven question. It's a values-driven question. And so it's subjective. But my response to be would be to that. The reason why God cares about how we express our sexuality is because God cares about us. Mm. And when we understand that fundamentally, it it puts it puts what we see as restrictions and rules and mm. laws and legalism into the correct perspective. Mm. God is not giving us these things to limit us. He's giving them to us to protect us. Mm-hmm. He is not giving them to us because he is punishing us, but because he loves us. Mm. So often, if we have a wrong view of God and his motivations, it spills out into how we interpret what what how he has designed mm. uh, the world and those in the world. Uh, to be. Yeah. And and so it fundamentally starts with how do we view God? Do we understand God's nature, uh, God's motivation, God's character? Mm. When you understand that, then the rest of it will make more sense. You still may not like it. Yeah. You still may be inclined because we have a fallen, broken nature to want to ignore it. But at least we are aware of the, the fact that the motivation that God has behind it is because he loves us, he cares about us, he's protecting us, he wants us to enjoy the best things in the universe. Mm. So what is the, okay, so I'm going to play a little devil's advocate because that's what people would ask, but it's not really hurting anyone, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, how's it hurting anyone if two people just of any gender, any sexuality want to express their love the way that they want to love? How is that hurting anyone? How is that hurting you? Yeah. Right. Well, and and the issue is there's a lot of things that don't hurt me. It doesn't hurt me if you go murder somebody else, but it's still wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And and so, but but again, um, the the other thing is, uh, yes, it is hurting you. It is hurting mm. you in several ways. It mm. may not be hurting you in the ways that matter most to you, or that, or even might be the most physically painful, or or in in some other negative context. But anytime we do something that is less than God's best, and anytime we corrupt God's design, mm. in the end, there are negative consequences. Always. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and so, again, we have to step back from our immediate desire for getting what we want and gratification and popularity and all the other motivations that we bring and try to see things from the designer's perspective. Mm. And so when we look at human conduct of every kind, whether it's sexual or relational or mm. emotional or communicative, um, we always have to begin with the idea that um, we can't know anything at all unless we have absolute. Hmm. And so we begin with the absolutes. And then if you have absolutes, you have to ask, well, where did they come from? Yeah. Well, they came from the absolutist, the absolute yeah. maker, the yeah. absolute lawgiver. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of times, Dan, you and I, I think in the world today, and, and we're we're secure in what we believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're pastors. We, we are, for our living, we teach the Bible and mm-hmm. disciple people, and it's... Um, we've given our lives to this. Mm-hmm. I do think that there are many followers of Jesus who who are in um, environments and arenas where the biblical worldview and the standards and the absolutes that that we hold to are not are frowned upon and mm-hmm. are attacked. And so many times they feel like they're on the defensive for ha- even having these kinds of beliefs. Talk to the Christian right now who. Um, who has to defend what they believe about biblical sexuality. Yeah. Well, for, first of all, I would say this. Um, it is not our responsibility to defend God. Mm. All we're supposed to do is reflect God. Mm. And and so ultimately, God is his own defense. The Lord is our yeah. strength and shield, right? <laughs> so um, I, I don't feel particularly defensive. And I think when we feel defensive toward that, uh, it injects an emotional response on our part that may interfere with mm. the declaration of truth. The Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit calls to repentance, right. we don't. Uh, that said, I think we're also entertaining and asking the wrong questions. Mm. And, and to that extent, we're asking too many what questions and not enough why questions. Mm. So the difference between what and why is behavior and reason yeah. or, or philosophy. And <clears throat> because many of us like to live impulsively, we like to live in a way that stimulates or satisfies or, you know, to some extent scratches our itches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a superficial level of, of living that's that's in the moment and that it's based on our basis desires and, mm-hmm. and inclinations. And if we believe and if we admit that man is inherently sinful, yeah. that we are broken and marred outside of the perfect image of Imago Dei, yeah. then we then we have to then we have to ask deeper questions. Yeah. yeah. And those are usually why questions, not what questions. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that because I do think we don't have to I don't think we have to defend God. I, I think one of the things that I'm I'm always trying to encourage Christians to to think through for themselves is when they're put on the defensive, why do you care so much if two, you know, two gay people want want to love each other? Well, to me, the reason, the only reason why we do care is because again, this is what God, God come came up with this standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if all of us lived by our sexual impulses, then we're we're talking about chaos here. Yes. Right? That that there it, the society would break down because the Everyone at some point has some level of where they draw the line that says, if you do this sexually, that is not right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And that line has swift, has quickly been deteriorating generation by generation, decade by decade. And who knows how many years it will be before pedophilia is accepted 
by, by the population. But that's that's the trajectory of where we're heading be, yeah. ba- based on you know history and based on what we're seeing played out before us. Yeah, and, and that it goes back to the original argument that I had is we're asking the wrong questions. So the question we're asking today is not if there is a line, because we all know there is a line. If I said, well, is it okay for an adult man to to sleep with a minor child? Yeah. You know, even though there are some circles that are starting to debate that. Absolutely. Uh, they call them minor attracted persons. Yeah. But I think we could agree maybe that rape, right. you know, is a line. Right. So, so we've ascertained that there is a line. Mm-hmm. Everybody should have a line. Mm-hmm. Now the debate becomes, well, where is that line supposed yeah. to be? Yeah. But we're not asking the question, why does the line need to exist at all? Right. Exactly. And if we say there is a line, we also need to ask the question, well, who has the authority exactly. to put the line into exactly. place? They would argue, well, as long as it's between consenting adults or as long as no one's getting hurt or there's you know multiple mm-hmm. arguments like that, which in the eyes of some, particularly those who want to deny authority, mm-hmm. um, th- those become acceptable reasons except those lines can be very blurred and they can also shift yes, as well. Yeah. I think that's what what as Christians we got to remember is God, God's standard is perfect and it's always been proven true. Anytime that mankind and you look at the civilizations across the world, the history of the world, anytime that the, a civilization breaks these these biblical standards it can t- it deteriorates. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just been proven over and over and over again. And so I think we got to remember that we're not the one, the church and the Christians didn't come up with a standard. God did. Yeah. And we're just simply reflecting that back. Um, I think one of the things also that, and I know we've talked about this in other podcasts and other episodes, but there is such a false value in our culture today that says this, if I cannot be satisfied sexually, then I cannot have a fulfilled life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 about my personal gratification of my own sexuality. Yeah. And then that results in we becoming the standard. Yeah. Yeah. We become the authority. Yeah. And and then if you do that, then we have chaos because yes. everybody everyone's got becomes, different. Yeah, they become demigods. Yeah, and they, so and so if my if my desires to fulfill myself sexually have to do with perversion or the violation of another human being, yeah, that's a problem, mm-hmm. right? But but again, I hear this all the time where people are like, well, you, you you're going to tell this person they can't really experience love? No, I never said that. What I'm saying, well, first of all, what I would say is. They can experience the fullness of love through Jesus Christ. That I don't think that there's anyone that, if we fool ourselves in thinking that the greatest apex experience is sexual gratification, mm-hmm. it's not. Because you you talk to people that that have experienced sex, it's not like okay, this that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Is sexual gratification great? Absolutely, but it's not the apex of fulfillment of life. It is. Our, our souls being satisfied by the love of God. And I think when we believe that in this narrative, I really think it started with Freud, this idea of the, the sexual repression of people and people just need to be unlocked or, or, or set unleashed, free, yeah. unleashed to, to experience the fullness of their desires. And we've gone down this, this road of perversion and now it just, it's going to keep leading to more and more dissatisfaction because it's, I think this is the way it is. When you live for your sexual desires, when you live primarily to make sure that I am getting what I want sexually, 
it's a you know it's it's a law of diminishing returns that that the whole idea is you're not going to you're going to experience one thing and it's not going to satisfy you the same the next time and it's not going to satisfy you the same the next time and you've got to need do bigger and greater and deeper perversions to get the same kind of high as you did before and i think that's we've got to be aware as people that that's the 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 real god has created and the, as the designer of sex and sexuality that there is a there's rules yeah. there's rules to sex well and and the other thing i think we need to be aware of is the entitlement attitude that comes with this mm. and and that we feel entitled to be able to enjoy everything there is in in the world. Mm. But that's that's not true. There are limits on everything. Yeah. Now, even if you violate it and you pursue it, there are consequences for that. You know, uh, you may feel entitled to eat as much as you want, whenever you want, <laughs> as often as you want, right? Um, but, but the problem with that is it's ultimately destructive. Yes. And... Um, and what ought to motivate us is our love for each other. So somebody says, well, what business is it of yours who I sleep with? Or what business is it of yours if I have this kink or, or so forth? Well, it is my business to the extent that I care about you, yeah. that I love you. And that's the same motivation. And, hmm. and you know, the scripture says this mind which is in us ought to be the same as in Christ Jesus. So, yeah. you know, we if God loves us, then we should love and we should feel protective. It's the same reason why if I see your kid running out into the street, hmm. I may grab their arm to protect them. Yeah. Because I don't want them to be hurt. Because I care. Because they're humans created yeah. in the image of God. Yeah. They're loved. And and so to, to the same extent, uh, while others may say it's none of my business, and I would counter, I say— no, because none of us operate in a vacuum, mm. and and if I really care about you, it's it's kind of like the argument that uh, uh, Teller and Penn, the the comedians, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Teller, I believe it is, is a um, an atheist. He said, yeah. but if I weren't an atheist, he said, I'd be telling everybody yeah. about Christ because what kind of monster would I be to know that you're going to spend eternity in hell and never yeah. warn you about it? Yeah. So we were. And th- we're, by the way, that's a great YouTube to go back. I I, I don't know what you would search, but it's it's like you know. T- tell, tell her, her on atheism, t- tell her on atheism and, and sharing evangelism, sharing yeah. evangelism. And he he shares this story. I'm glad you brought that story because that, that is a great video because he talks in there about how just this person came up to him and asked him if about his faith and about Jesus. And he was just like, he goes, I really respected him because he knows who I am. He knows I'm a raging atheist, but he cared enough to share with me his faith. And he said, his exact quote is, how much do you have to hate someone? To not share with them what you believe, if you what you believe is what 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 he does. Yeah. And I thought about that you, as Christians. I mean, I think it made its rounds probably 10, 15 years ago when it came out. But what you're pointing out is, if we believe that something is good and true, if we really believe in the goodness of God, the goodness of His righteousness, the goodness of His standards, the goodness of His holiness, then we're not going to back down. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to be shy. We're not going to you know. You know, try to excuse it like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. This is just what I, what I have to believe. Like, mm-hmm. we've got to really believe that to, be, to live this out is the good life. And I love you enough that I want you to experience the good life. Yeah, and I think that's a challenge to believers today. Is we need to quit apologizing for defending the truth. <laughs> yeah. And and sometimes we think, well, defending the truth makes me obnoxious or it makes me hateful. No, that, that's only what people's response to you says. Mm-hmm. That's their accusation. But an accusation is not necessarily accurate. Mm-hmm. And and so you can be kind 
and still stand for truth. Yeah. You may pay a price for it. Yeah. You, you may be criticized for it. Yeah. But that doesn't diminish the importance of what we're doing, nor does it invalidate the point we're trying to make. Yeah. And, and so I, I think sometimes we need to scrape away a lot of the emotion that surrounds this and the entitled attitude that says I should be able to pursue pleasure any way I want to, mm. regardless of the consequences on myself or others, yeah. and start having more logical uh, cons- or conversations about this. And by the way, I want to say this. This is true for Christians as well, because a lot of Christians have abandoned the traditional values. How yeah. many ta- how many Christians do I know, and you know, whereupon, you know, they're living in, in open um, immorality yeah. before they're married, before yeah. they've made vows and covenants? Um, how many people do we know who are believers, who are, who are indulging in pornography, or who are uh, mm. uh, having, um, you know, uh, sexual affairs with someone that's not their spouse? Yeah. So Christians are not immune to this, but what we all tend to do is rationalize so that we can enjoy what has been set aside uh, within limitations. It's not wrong to eat potato chips. It's just wrong to eat them three times a day a bag (laughs) at a time. It's not wrong to enjoy sex. It is wrong to enjoy sex in certain circumstances. Well, where do we find those circumstances? For us, it's scripture. Yeah. So in the last few minutes we have left, um, what would you say to someone who's, who's good friends with someone who uh, who has you know same sex attraction, or as identifies as something outside of um, what we call biblical heterosexuality, what would you say if if this conversation comes up and so what do you believe and they start asking questions, what what advice would you give to that follower of Jesus who says okay how do I have this conversation where I don't compromise the truth, mm-hmm. but I also want to extend just a gracious love towards that person. Give me just a couple things to, to yeah, just remember. and I have this conversation frequently. I yeah. mean, I have friends who are same-sex attracted, mm-hmm. but not acting on it. Mm-hmm. I also have friends who are same-sex attracted and acting upon it. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, um, resent my position, but we've still been able to man, maintain at least some kind of relationship yeah. based on other factors. Yeah. But if they ask me the question, I don't, I don't go running up to them and, you know, <laughs> They know. They know. <laughs> they, they know. Yeah, they, they do not need me to wear a T-shirt. Um, well, they do need me to wear a T-shirt, but they don't even wear a T-shirt that says, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there goes my brain again. Um, but what is sometimes they'll ask me, well, what do you have against? What do you have against? And I said, I always ask this, are you sure you want to have this conversation with me? Because mm. you know we see this differently. Yeah. Yeah, so what I'm asking for is their permission to be honest with them. Hmm. And 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 they almost always give it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. I said, okay, I just want to make sure because I don't want to hurt your feelings. I love you. I care about you. Yeah. You already know what I believe, so you know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I'll try to explain it to you, and I'll try to be very respectful, but you're going to fundamentally disagree, and I don't want you to be upset with me yeah. when I say something that makes you mad. Yeah. So that way, I've laid the groundwork for when they get heated or whatever. Hang on, hang on just a moment. You, remember, remember, you asked me this question, right? and I'm trying to answer it as best I can. I'm not trying to be ugly right now. Yeah. And I know you disagree with me. That that's that's between you and God, not you and me. Right. But but I'm going to answer it honestly for yeah. you. And if yeah. not, we'll just stop the conversation and move on to something else. <laughs> you know, and I think you can be really reasonable and rational with mm. somebody like that. Um and if they get angry and if they, you know, well, I can't be friends with you or something like that, then just let the conversation go. Yeah. Again, if it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us. Yeah. And and he sometimes uses our words, our position, or sometimes just our mere presence mm. to convict. But and, and and what here's the other thing to be mindful of: do not let them put you in a box. Well, I can't be your friend if you. 
Yeah. Okay. You did not build that box. They built that box. Make sure they own that box. Yeah. You, you, I would say to them, I'm, I'm really sorry because I don't feel the same way towards you. I mm. can, I can be your friend. I care about you deeply. Yeah. I hope you won't put me in that box because I value you. Mm-hmm. Um, but understand this. If you choose not to be my friend, that's going to be on you, not on me. That's right. Because I'm perfectly willing to. So in other words, make them own their box and don't say, well, I, I want to be in your box so bad. I'm willing to compromise. <laughs> no, that's weak and that's pathetic. And that's certainly not, um, that's not possessive of the values of a true friendship. Yeah. That's um, good. And, 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 you know, put the weight on them. Say, I like to think, you know, I've known you for a long time. I like to think you're mature enough and you know my character well enough yeah. that we could still be friends in spite of our difference That's in right. this area. That's right. So put, put it right back on them. But yeah. be reasonable. Be even-toned. Don't be emotional. Don't beat them over the head with Bible verses. They already know the Bible verses. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean don't use the Bible. You can say, well, my understanding of Scripture is is when the Bible says this, and that's why I believe this. Right. So you're explaining the Scripture, but let the Scripture speak for itself. Right. You, you don't say, well, the Bible says you're going to go to hell. Well, yeah. Yeah, it does, but you don't have to. You don't have to be <laughs> ugly about how you do it. Just let the truth speak yeah, the truth. That's good. Well, this has been a good conversation. Holy cow, that went by. fast. That went by fast. Yep. Um, and, and I think just to sum up, you know, we're, all of us are going to have to have these conversations with people throughout the throughout the years and the weeks months ahead um, sometimes it's with a family member sometimes it's with a friend coworker neighbor um, but I think what what as Dan talked about today we, we can never compromise the authority of God and his word and knowing that the most loving thing we can do is be present but also be honest in someone's life when they're going through these things so I uh, hope this has been a, an educational but also an encouraging episode for us at Life Talks another qu- hard question answered and next time we'll deal with another hard question here at Life Talks you've been listening to Life Talks be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.